All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. Raf Giallo here, and I'm alongside Anthony Pine of RT Sport Online. We're also joined by former Bohemians manager Keith Long and ex-Sam Pats, Shells and Draw the Boss, Johnny McDonald. We'll be chatting about the trills and spills from the League of Ireland very shortly, and also our live Champions League game, which is going to be on RT2 and RT Player tonight between Chelsea and Dortmund. That's a second leg, last 16. But uh, Anthony, we're obviously into spring now and early March, and given where we are now, you know, the, the France game had felt a bit on the long finger, but at this stage, once uh, once you enter the same month, uh, it, does, uh, it does loom really, really large now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think I know you, you've mentioned just off air that we're, we're going to chat to Keith a little bit about Evan Ferguson. The, the thing is, you can't really, well, like my opinion is that it's, it's hard to look towards the France game without thinking about Evan because he's in the last sort of two months, it's suddenly he's emerged as this potential silver bullet for Ireland because his development is just accelerated. You know, he's been on the radar for a long time now, even though he's still so young. But he, he potentially could be the focal point that you think Ireland are just crying out for. I know he's still, look, he's still is he eighteen? I mean, you know, he's, he's still such a young player, and it's it's not fair to put all this expectation and pressure on him. But the reality is, he does look like Ireland's best striker. I mean, he's he's he's, he's <coughs> a striker playing the Premier League, scoring goals, you know, playing like bullying Liverpool, being totally at home against Arsenal. So it's exciting and. Um, yeah, it's funny now. It is. It's closing in, so we're we're obviously keeping a, a close eye on the Irish players and uh, in the championship in particular because we have such a rump of players in that division. Um, and you know, say the likes of Ryan Manning now is, is potentially playing himself into a starting position, maybe. But it's for me, it's like it, Evan has sort of dominated the narrative, and through no fault of his own, there's going to be so much attention and spotlight on when it comes to Stephen Kenny naming his team. You know, is he going to start? Um, I think personally that he, there's a real chance he will start, but I don't know. I mean, we'll throw it on to the two lads in their opinion now, but that, that has added a very interesting dimension to things over the last couple of months, Raf. Yeah, and Keith, just on Evan, obviously, uh, as I said off air, that, you know, you played an important part in his uh, in his sort of development in terms of giving him that first taste of first-team football. It was that friendly against Chelsea, the 11th of July 2018 and you know a lot has been said about his physicality and sort of being ready to play even at the age of 14 when and there was a lot of attention obviously on the age at the time but I think as you'd said after that you spoke to Evan's parents and before making that decision to give him game time what stood out about his mentality at that age because certainly the physicality was there but uh, to have the mentality to play men's football as uh, at that age of 14 uh, said something about his character yeah I think I think Evan drove a lot of, um, you know, he drives his own standards. He wants to improve. He wants to be challenged and he wants to be put into that environment where he's going to grow um, and be exposed to, uh, you know, high quality uh, training, high quality players playing against the highest level of opposition that he possibly can. So what stood out to me was his mentality, you know, his aptitude, his drive and determination and focus to become a top, top player. Um, and even at such an early age, um, he wanted, he came into training with the first team of Bowes. Um, it didn't phase him in any way, shape or form. Obviously, the, some of the players in the Bowes dressing room would have known Evan and his reputation around, uh, you know, academy football, schoolboy football in Dublin. 
So he came into the environment um, like a duck to water. He trained with the first team quite a lot. We were in COVID um, times back then, also, so it was it was it was difficult really to, you know, Evan. We also also knew we had a we had a window with Evan, so he was only going to ever be with us for a short time. Um, but when he came into the training environment um, at at the club, we all knew what a special talent he was. He had a zip to his to his finishing. He had you know his link up his back to goal play was was really good. His movement in the box is really sharp, and he and he and he can finish in lots of different ways. Um, and we've seen that now translate um, through his development at the academy in Brighton into the twenty threes almost immediately, and then into the first team. And you can see how well he's adapted to Premier League football. So, um, you know, rightly so, we should be cautious and not to overhype um, Evan. Uh, but there is a, a large part of Evan, I'm sure, uh, that will will embrace the opportunity to become Ireland's talisman. And at 18 years of age, that's that's a quite a statement to make. You, you know, who knows what will happen in the player's development, but. As you've you've mentioned at the outset, that his support system is really good. His parents, the structure that he has, the people that he have has around him. He's at the right football club with the right manager now. Graham Potter previously, um, the Zebri now, um, who's done a, a really good job since he's come in, and he spoke of how how highly he rates Evan Ferguson. So, I think it's we have to be cautiously optimistic about Evan and what he can do for us as a nation, but you know, excited at the same time. And in terms of his profile, a player, in terms of like what his ceiling is going to be stylistically, like where do you see his his game going? Now, again, Deserby's the manager at Brighton at the moment. Who knows, you know, a couple of years down the line. And who knows in terms of Ferguson's future where he does end up. But stylistically, what type of player do you expect him to, to become? Well, I think he's been sort of compared to, you know, the likes of Harry Kane. It's, it's you know, and, and obviously he's been the outstanding striker of his generation in the Premier League. So, you know, that's, that's you know, if, if Evan was to get anywhere close to Harry Kane, he'd have a fantastic career. But I suppose it's difficult to pigeonhole players and to, to try and compare them. Evan is very much his own player, is his own man, is his aptitude and mentality is first class. He's got lots of different at- attributes. He's big, he's physical, he's strong, you know, and has been like that, you know, since a very, very young age. Hence the reason why he, he came into men's football so quickly. Um you know, so he he's got lots of strings to his bows the, uh, in terms of his game. Like I said, his link up play, his back to goal play is really good. You, you know, is his finishing? He can score. Uh, you know, with the head, he can score with off both feet. His moving movement in the box in the final third is really sharp and concise and 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 clever. So, you know, I suppose literally, you know. He's young. He's still going to develop. He's still going to adapt. He's coming on the radar of lots and lots of big clubs like Brighton will want to hold on to him for as long as possible. He needs to stay in that environment. Would be my view for the for for this moment, um, you know, and and continue to develop and to learn and to improve as a player. And I think he's in he's in the right place at this moment in time to do that. He's getting he's getting minutes in the Premier League, which at eighteen years of age and and. You know, we've got a, a you know, I think uh, a rump of of players playing in the in the championship. There's not too many playing in the Premiership, and at 18 years of age, Evan is is doing doing really well at this moment in time. So hopefully that can continue, and hopefully, you know, the ceiling for Evan is endless. You know, and and 
uh, where he can get to, where he can end up, you know, is all in the future. We don't know at this moment in time. All I know is that the support system and his attitude to the game is first class and he won't be getting carried away. away. He'll take things um, in his stride as he's done so far. Yeah, and uh, in terms of the immediate future, of course, it's the France game on 27th. Obviously, there's a friendly against Latvia as well. But Johnny, I mean, when you, you know, there's a lot of talk about whether Evan should start against France or not. I mean, where do you lie on that in that debate? I think I think Keith, Keith summed it up really, really well. As, 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 as I seen Evan playing at a young age for Kevin's against Belvedere. He always had something about him. But like, I think... You know, he touched on it there. We, we, we've gone through this with Troy Parrott, you know, and uh, you know, a lot, lot of responsibility on Evan, Evan's shoulders to be, you know, you're talking about throwing him in against the likes of France and stuff like that. As Keith said, he's got some great game time in the Premier League. And uh, look, he's going to obviously give him, give him a go and give him a chance. And uh, he's an informed player at the moment. And, and I think he will play him. I think he definitely will play him. Okay, and uh, before we touch on the SSE Artricity League, there were two rounds in the Premier Division and then also the, the start of the Women's Premier Division and also there was a First Division action on the Friday. Um, they're over on the continent. Matt Doherty has now made his Atletico Madrid debut as a substitute in a 6-1 drubbing of Sevilla uh, coming on with about 12 minutes to go. So just in time, really, for the for the international window. And then also Festi Ebocelli, made his first Udinese start against Atalanta as well, and by all accounts, uh, held his own as well. But turning our attentions to the Premier Division, so Friday night, the big one between Shamrock Rovers and Derry City went the way of the Candy Stripes, 2-1 at Tallis Stadium. Cork City beat UCD 4-0, so their first win of the season. Shelburne also got their first win of the campaign with a 1-0 win over Bowles. Drogheda United got the better of Sligo Rovers by a goal to nil, and then Dundalk, and this was a result that kind of not so much maybe Dundalk winning, but certainly the, the manner of the scoreline, Dundalk thrashing St. Pat's 5-0. And then last night, the thriller at Tala between Shamrock Rovers and Cork City ended uh, 4-4. And then Bohemians uh, beat Drada United 3-1. Dundalk beat Shells 2-1 coming from a goal down. Sligo Rovers, 10 men for about 70 minutes, beat St. Pat's 2-1. And then Derry City beat UCD 4-0 and I know Keith and Johnny were both at that latter game so we might just start on Derry City they're top of the table now uh, that win at UCD would have been expected but uh, I suppose going to Tala and winning there was the real statement early on Johnny Yeah and also I, I, you know looking at Derry last night McInef got a fantastic first goal they played really well coming in off the left wing and they stuck in the top corner but, but getting back to the thing about the winner at Rovers, they now have a panel and a squad to be able to bring players in and the jerseys are up for grabs. You know, I looked at them last night, I don't think they got out a second or third gear, they just pushed on when they needed to. It was very, very easy for them last night. Uh, pitch looked a bit difficult, but the rain would have helped prior to the game. But it uh, looked, like looked like a team that have to be between their teeth at the moment, a brilliant start to the season. Uh, even when they were 4 0 up, didn't take any chances, no nonsense, didn't want to concede any goals, didn't want to concede any ground. Every player looked like, as I said, fighting for the jersey around the pitch. And, uh, you, you know, Jordan McInef, two really good goals, second goal, great run around to the keeper. But uh, overall, they have a big, big squad now. And, you know, you know, they have good, really good opportunities to give, give the lads a chance, give them a run around the pitch. And, uh, for the manager as well, it, it it also gives him an opportunity to 
to build trust with players that he can go and play them and he can say, look, I definitely know we can play him, I can bring him on and whatever else. And it, it you know, brings that competitiveness up around the dressing room as well and around the training pitch and the standards are, in training will be will be really, really high. The levels will be really, really high. But look, they 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 look like a team that feel no matter what happens, they'll be, they'll be okay, even at this early uh, start of the se- uh, part of the season. And Keith, similarly, like what have you made of Derry having seen them up close? Um, Derry have a squad f- full of quality, absolute quality. Some shrewd signings in the offseason by the manager um, to complement and add to what he already had. If you look at Ben Doherty, the signing of Ben Doherty scored the first goal um, uh, from a defending corner on a counter-attack in Tala the other night, which in my view was a really, really high-quality game with two high-quality teams. Um, but Doherty got the goal. You know, you look at the, some of the players that are not available um, uh, to to uh, through injury, you know, players that were re- like like Adam O'Reilly, who's just signed and, and come in from St. Pat's on loan at, from Preston. But you, you look at um, Pat McElhaney, who didn't play last night, and the players that they're able, Ollie O'Neill, to come off the bench. You know, la- last night, they, Johnny mentioned that they played in second or third gear. They didn't get out of first gear, to be perfectly honest with you, with the game is that comfortable for them. Um, they managed the game really, really well. Um, and last night, you know, difficult place sometimes to go, UCD, certainly on a Monday night when the lax atmosphere, you know, the pitch wasn't great. Johnny said that the rain helped. It did. It was able to, Derry were able to move the ball quickly. They got a couple of goals, really good goals in the first half. And and UCD probably started a little bit brightly in the second half for 10, 15 minutes. And then Ollie O'Neill comes on and, and, and scores the third goal. And, and McGonagall gets, I think he's accredited with the fourth goal. So it's, uh, you know, a really a comfortable night for, for Derry on the back of Friday's, um, you know, real test in Tala because, um, and and if you look at Tala, the pitch, uh, you know, the the the, the stadium, the, the 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 amount of supporters, I think there's over 7,000 in, in attendance. That's where we need the game to be in this country. That is the benchmark for us um, uh, for football in this country. And if you've got a, if you've got two teams with high quality players um, wanting to play the game um, and implement their style of play in the manner that they do, you know, it, it can only it can only enhance what we're trying to do for, for Irish football in in the League of Ireland. And um, if you look at some of the players on show, like Pat, um, Will Patching, he's a magician. You know, in the build up to the second goal for 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 Derry City, you know, uh, he slips in Ryan Graydon. Ryan Graydon, uh, you know is a boy that we had in his early days at Bowes and he's come on in leaps and bounds um over over the the, the last couple of years and in particular since he's gone to to Derry City he slides in a, a great cross for McGonagall and he just stands in angles and, and sweeps the ball ho- home. So you know if you look at the if you look at that game and the 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 tempo, the intensity and the quality on show in the environment, you know, on a good pitch with a good stadium. That's what we need to strive, and that's where um, you know for all clubs to try and strive to achieve that level. Because if we can do that, we'll have a really vibrant uh, product on offer in this country. And just jump in, just to pick up on that, and not to go off on a big tangent on this, but definitely after the first three games of this, like it feels like something's. It just feels a little different, you know. It feels like something has happened around the league. That the crowds have been brilliant. I know it's still early in the season, but you're really like 
there's games sold out for this Friday night. Pat's Pat's bowls is already sold out for this Friday night. Like I'm just wondering, in your opinion, why why is that? Like it's obviously a number of factors around it. Uh, you mentioned quality of the pitches helps quality of the players that are coming into the league. But do you sense there's a swell in interest generally um, around the league in this country? And can you identify why that's happening? I don't think there's one particular reason as to as to why necessarily. I think the clubs are working hard in their communities, in their env- environments to generate that interest. I think there definitely is a subculture um, and a kickback p- potentially against the Premier League. You, you, you know, people want to go and see live events. Maybe it's uh, since COVID, you, you know, when we were completely, you know, uh, separated and isolated from, from you know, the, the rest of society. Maybe it's, you know, that... Uh, you know, being together, being part of uh, you know of a club, um, and and having the, the the identity for a football club, and there's definitely been a groundswell. There's no doubt about it. You look at the crowds, you know, um, they're up across uh, all all clubs, all both divisions. You, you know, if you look at ladies football, there's an appetite for that, huge appetite for that in 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 Ireland at this moment in time. So. You know, football in this country, you, you know, is seeing a little bit of a renaissance. Um, the exact reason, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm sure it's a combination of things. Um, there's lots of young players in the league now. There is a regeneration. There's lots of high-quality players. The product on offer is, is good. You go to see football on a Friday night, it's real. It's not Premier League football where... You know, it's you've got players that are completely isolated from the the normal working class uh, man and woman that that attends games. You, you know, so yeah, this is real. Um, it's proper football in, in that sense. It's it's it, 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 in all its flaws, with all its um, you you, you know, with all its in, difficulties that we have in terms of you know facilities and all that type of stuff. Um, but it's real and people want to ha- experience that on a Friday night and and the clubs deserve a lot of credit, you know, for promoting and working in the community and to try and highlight and, um, you, you know, to to ensure that that when supporters get into the ground, that they're doing as much as they can to try and keep them there and to um, bring them back every week. Obviously, that, uh, you know, the responsibility of that is down to the team on the pitch. You know, the 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 players and supporters together mantra. I think a lot of clubs are talking about how that identity between uh, the the people on the terraces and the players on the pitch. And I think that is important to try and you know drive people coming back to us. And if you look and 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 I'm going on a a long winded tangent now here. But you look at Cork City as an example. I think Bowes played Cork two weeks ago in the opening night of the season. I think there was close to 8,000 people. I stand corrected on the figures, but um, 7,000 people, 5,000 people at their home game against UCD. Obviously, they didn't have the large travelling away support that Bowes would have brought on the opening night of the season. But it's so important for Cork to win against UCD to make sure that the crowds keep coming back to Tornas Cross because a vibrant Cork City, a vibrant Bohemians, Rovers, whatever it is in Dublin, Derry City, clubs around the country, it's really important that we have that, you know, where soccer and football in this country has been strong, that we have those strongholds and vibrancy in those communities, bringing people and football back together. I, just just a quick one, just talking about Tala. By the time Tala's finished, you know, in July, I think the fourth sign goes up, 
Like it's going to be around the same capacity as Bournemouth in the Premier League. So I know, look, we've a long way to go before. Uh, obviously, Tala is, is a fantastic stadium and the best stadium in the league. But it's just, I think it's just an interesting thing to take note of. You know, we're looking at... Well, but our bar is quite low then, Anthony. Sorry, Johnny. Our bar is quite low. If we think Tala is the best stadium, and it is in the country, you know, and, and it's a fantastic stadium with a great pitch. I'm not actually, I'm not being, um, but we got to strive for better. We got to strive for better stadiums and 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 up and down the country. Tala is fantastic. It's wonderful. Every player in the country wants to play in that pitch, wants to go and, and play in front of that crowd. And they're the champions and everybody wants to beat them. You, you know, but we we can't be satisfied with that. We want to improve and we want to get better stadiums, better facilities, so we can retain uh, the supporters and 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 have a vibrant football, uh, you know, product in the in this country. You're just saying about you know you just used the word I was going to use there. We have a product now on sale on Friday nights and Monday nights or whatever the games are on. You know, there's definitely an identity there for especially for young players. I think the social media has definitely helped the League of Ireland stream. But you know, people ask me what's going on. They can't get a ticket for Bowers, can't get a ticket for Rovers, can't get a ticket for Car, can't get a ticket for Sligo, whatever it might be. People want to know what's going on. And in fairness, I think when people go to the live, live product, Keith, as you say. I think some people are surprised the quality, you know, the atmosphere. It's a night out. It's you know, it's it's a Friday night out for a lot of people now. They go to a League of Ireland game, and they they're, they're buying into it. They become a part of the the community, as you says, Keith. The, the the work that's been done around by the the clubs, and there's there's an association to the to the teams now. You know, as you say. They know the players. The young players are, you know, you talk to young lads and saying, oh, my mate is playing for Bowes. My mate is at Trotter. My mate is at Longford, you know. And the, the younger players can identify. And, you know, the, young players are striving now to try and get into the league because due, due to fellas like yourself, Keith, that have given young players a chance and promoted the young players. And the product is there. The quality is definitely there. I totally agree with you. You know, on on the pitch, the 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 stadium can can definitely be improved. But let's. I think we've started somewhere now, and I think Keith is right. I think there's there's a few different reasons why. You know, whether it was COVID, people just want to get back in. The good weather is coming in. You know, Friday nights. You know, you can go to a game. It's you know, weather is good. You can go and enjoy the, as you say, the good product, and. Europe then is a big thing for us when we go and play in Europe and we get the profile of a club that well, happened a couple of years ago with Rovers and Dundalk and whatever. And, you know, I've been there myself as a manager. The profile that you bring to the club around Europe, you're getting up and, you know, you're on Sky Sports. You know, the, the club is getting a, a, an identity. People are asking, where do these players come from? Players going, you know, the league is going to be a selling league, Keith, as you know. We're going to have to sell players on because... You know, they're, they're coming through, but people are looking in and going, Where are these coming from? Where's this young lad Evans Ferguson coming from? You know, where, where have they come from? So, you know, the, the league is getting an identity, the players are getting profiled for the want of a better award, and it's brilliant. You know, even last night at the, at the, at the Derry match, the, the, you know, not a big crowd there, but the quality of football went 
when it was on it was great. The atmosphere you talk about, Keith, that that goes on in Daily Mount and Talla, you know, down in Cork, seven or eight thousand people in Cork. Even last night, vital that he got a result up in up in Rovers last night. The place to be rocking and throwing us across next week and or the next home game. I think they're away in the next game. But look, the product is definitely there. Now they need to keep it going. The clubs, the FAUI, everyone needs to keep this going. We need to keep putting it out there because the product is really, really good. Yeah, and probably also helps sometimes even watching from afar on the TV when there's a shot of the crowd and it's just a big mass of people. It probably even draws more people in because it's that sort of build it and uh, if you build it, they will come. Um, what kind of thing. did you go last night, Raf? Uh, Cork, Crawley, was it? Oh, Dar- Darrell Crowley, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Crowley, the quality of the goal, like half a second gets it out of his feet. If that was in the Premier League, they'd be showing it and showing it. It'd be, it'd be looping all day on Sky Sports. It was a brilliant finish. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. There was 22 goals last night, Johnny, across the yeah. games in the Premier League. I think there's 57 keys since the league started yeah. or 59. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, and I think you rightly point to the fact that the, the, the rebranding of the League of Ireland, I think, has helped. I think the social media stuff that is being put out by the League of Ireland department has definitely helped, and 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 young people are engaged by social media content, there, and so there, that's another factor um, in the uh, I suppose the subculture that is you know our our league. But um, you know I would implore every lover of football. Um, or uh, you know, Premier League football, you know, Champions League football. Have a look at some of the goals from from the weekend's games, and you'll see mistakes, you'll see flaws, you'll see um, a lot of quality. Um, you know, a lot a lot of goals from distance. Derek Crowley last night, you know, being the you know an outstanding finish from the arc of the center circle. So. But it, but but it's there. It, it, it's a young players' league. It's a vibrant league, and um, yeah, it, hopefully we can build upon solid foundations that we've we've seen over the first four rounds of games this year. Yeah, and that Darren Crowley goal from just inside the Shamrock Rovers half yesterday for Cork City put them temporarily at the time 2-1 up and it ended up being 4-4 Sean Hoare with the late equaliser. Now, there was a long period of stoppage time. Aaron Bolger, uh, there was a clash of heads. Fortunately, he's okay, um, according to what Colin Healy said afterwards. Just uh, I think they were thinking of maybe taking him down to the hospital just for a precautionary check, but he seems to be all right. But um, Shamrock Rovers, four games into the season now, still waiting for a win, Keith. Um, from what you've seen of them, what would be the biggest, and obviously they're not going to be hitting the panic buttons way too early in the season, but from what you've seen of them, what is the biggest concern maybe that the, uh, Stephen Bradley would be looking to address? Um, well, they won't, like you say, hit the panic button buttons. They've been the course over the last few seasons as champions. Um, they've got plenty of experienced players and experienced manager that knows what it takes to win the league. So, um, they will be a little bit concerned. There's no doubt. Um, you know, the, the, their points after four games is 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 probably not what they would have expected. Benchmark that, or you know, you've got to. They would have. They were, I think, three minutes away from probably having six points. You know, they conceded late down in Sligo, conceded late up and draw it going into the Derry game, which they were very very good last night. The concession of four goals at home would be a worry. Um, I, I suppose the manner in which uh, some of the goals that they conceded will be a concern, um, you know, for for Stephen. But uh, they've got an experienced group of players. They'll work on 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 what they need to improve. Obviously, against Derry, they were missing three of their starting centre halves, um, so players were playing out of position and so on. And you know, maybe that had an impact 
for the first goal that they conceded um, on, on the on the counter attack. So um, they will be disappointed with their start. There's no doubt about that. You know, people talk about Rovers being a slow slow starters perennially. You, you know, every team in the country wants to get off to a fast start and they don't want the margins be, to become too too great between the teams that are supposed to be and will be up there challenging towards the end of the season. So um, I think they've got to start with trying to keep uh, some clean sheets. Uh, they do have the players uh, um, and the quality within that squad to, to do that. Um, maybe, maybe they're still tinkering with their best you know, starting eleven as such, or, or be it that they've got so many players, they've got a depth of squad, and anybody is capable of playing at any given time. And Stephen has that luxury of rotating players and, um, you know, changing things up a little bit. So, um, I think we, we Jack Bourne is yet to to, and we talk about Jack, and Jack's probably fed up listening to people talk about him. So, um, you know, he's such a key influential influential player, such a quality player. Um, and they need him for and they need all their other players for and uh, because Derry are going to take some catching even after four games. Yeah, and Johnny then also St. Pat's uh, losing 5-0 away at Dundalk, which kind of came out of nowhere, at least at least from the scoreline point of view on Friday. And then they go up to Sligo Rovers. Sligo go down to uh, 10 men after 20 minutes. John Mann getting, um, getting sent off. And they still lose two one. What's the like? What exactly happened over the weekend for them? From what you from what you saw? Well, obviously, getting conceding five goals is, a, is an knock to your confidence. And then to travel away up to Sligo on a Monday night, you know, you'd want your next game to be at home. Well, I would anyway. And uh, you know, to, to go up to Sligo and concede concede the goals the way they did against the ten men. Sligo looked to watch it a bit of it this morning. Sligo looked as if they did a lot of the play. And uh, just lack of confidence around the group. They, you know, they need to, they need to reboot. They need to to, to sit down and, and and start the season now. I mean, I watched them against Shells. They were lucky to 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 to, to get it the the winner against Shells. Shells should have got something out of the game. The late goal against Derry as well. You know, so look, they've. Uh, They've had a rocky start again. Just you know, bringing players in, adding new players to, to, to the squad, and picking your best squad, as Keith said, similar to Rovers. But sometimes you just have to knuckle down and do the basics, and you know, you know, make sure you, as a player you win your own battle around the pitch. You do the best for the team. But to go up to Dundalk and and, and deliver a history there with Stevie leaving Pats and going to Dundalk, that definitely would have hurt. And I know it definitely would have hurt the owner of the club, but. Uh, Bad, bad defeat. Watch the goal set pieces that they, they conceded from set pieces. Second balls, just just not defending till the end. Just not doing the basic things, Roy. Really. Defending purely at the back, taking chances when you know when you shouldn't. You know, sometimes that's you know obviously down to the players, their responsibility to make the right decisions on the pitch. And you know, sometimes when there's a lack of confidence, you need leaders. And that's what you need around the club. You need leaders around the team. They're, you know, young Redmond is the captain of Pat's a young player. Is he young enough to lead the team? You know, when they, when they, when they're in a bit of trouble like this, is it fair on a young player like that to have all that pressure on his shoulders? Look like he, he's going to be a decent player. So you need leaders around the pitch and not just one. You need them all over the place. And uh, will, will they be okay? I think, I think they should be okay, but... You know, not going too well for them at the moment. As I say, to, to be down the bottom end of the table, already conceded eight goals. 
being at those five against Dundalk, but to go up to Sligo, you'd want to tighten things up, make sure you go out to Sligo and come away with a result. Nil all, preferably, or a one nil. That's the way to do it. You know, that's the way to bounce back. Yeah, and in contrast, Johnny, then Dundalk, uh, obviously on the other side of that result on the Friday, winning winning 5-0 after a difficult week previously. We were talking a fair bit about them on last week's podcast about, obviously they had issues on the pitch at the start of the season. And then um, off the pitch as well, there's the whole, um, there's all that talk and noise around the ownership and investment situation. Then to go and, you know, bounce back from all that, beating, uh, beating Pats 5-0, a team that was near enough to them in the table. And then last night, going a goal down to to a really good Shelburne team and then still finding a way to to win 2-1. Uh, it's been a really good weekend for them. Yeah, well, that's the saying. That's the flip side of, uh, of the story. You were saying Pats for Dundalk. Again, young players. You know, Tullock getting a goal last night. Impressive young player. Yeah. Uh, as I said earlier about Shell, really, really difficult to play against. Physical team, good in your face and a bit more experience than he had last year. But Dundalk, slow start, getting the draw. It was a UCD the first match, you know. But they're starting to find their, to find their feet now. And that these two games will definitely give them definitely give them confidence. Slog, it looked like he played really well in midfield last night. Mali, d- decent player. And, uh, you know... <laughs> I, I think that you know they they'll be okay. They'll be definitely pushing for a place in Europe. Whether they can compete with with it with Chamark Rovers when they get going, and whether they can compete with Derry at the moment, I don't know. Hulbin's back in the goal scoring form. Got a brilliant header against uh, Pat's free kick, uh, but you know need him scoring goals. So good mixture of young players and, and the players blending in from but for Stevie and uh, a good good couple of days for Dundalk pushes them right back up the table. Yeah, it was a mixed weekend for Bohemians, Keith, and that was uh, first the, the defeat to, to Shelburne on the Friday, but then they uh, they they bounced back last night, beating Drada United three one. So that's three wins in four so far. Um, obviously, you've you've you had a long association with the club. So what did you uh, what what have you made of their start of the season? I guess I think well they bounced back perfectly last night. Um, I think it was a. Um, without being disrespectful to to Drogheda, because Drogheda have had a, a good start themselves, it probably was a good game for Bowes to have last night because um, Friday Monday uh, games it hurts the part time teams a little bit more. You know, I'm stating the obvious because a lot of the Drogheda players will work during the day and they have to come in. Uh, some don't, so some can rest. You, you know, they they'll prepare and 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 recover over the weekend as the full-time teams will do but some of the boys would have from Drogheda would have to come in you know having haven't done a day's work and play last night so it can be difficult that being said I think it was um you know by all accounts it was a a good performance by 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 Bost and at the perfect response to the disappointment of Friday night versus Shell so Declan mixed things up he changed changed it up James McManus came into the middle of the park you know a fantastic young player great potential great talent great temperament you know uh, Keith Buckley gets moved back into the middle of the park so he reshuffled the defence uh, Jay Ben, I think, uh, came in at right back, and Christian Novak came in at centre back. The uh, the Polish centre back that was signed recently, Flores, who's uh, Jordan Flores, uh, who started the season exceptionally well, slotted in at left back, got another goal. So Ali Ku doing what Ali Ku does from distance, get, got another goal, and Akintunde, I think, was important, um, you know, to for him to get off the mark as well. So 
you know, they've had a great start to the season, really. You know, would have been disappointed to drop points against Shells. But, you know, four games in, I think every Bohemian supporter would have, if you look at the league table, will be happy right now. Keith, can I just ask you about chatting about Evan Ferguson, another young Irish striker, Jonathan Affalabi. I know, like, when you brought him into the to balls last summer, um, we're really positive and a lot of praise about him. And by all accounts, he's been excellent for balls, hasn't got off the mark yet. But what does he bring into the team and what qualities has he got? And do you think Jonathan, you know, he was so good for the under 21s under Stephen Kenny? Like, is there a chance for him to push back into the seniors over the next few years? Um, that would be that would be difficult, I would imagine, um, but not impossible. And it depends on Johnny. And and you know, I've known Jonathan since he was a kid at St. Joseph Boys. So I had a relationship with with, with that team and the manager. Uh, exceptionally good team. You can you can you know uh, a lot of players have played in the league. A lot of players are playing in the UK that came from that particular team. But Johnny went away to Southampton. Didn't quite click for him there. Went up to Celtic. Went on loan to a number of Championship clubs. Uh, Johnny hasn't got off the mark yet, as you say. But there is goals in Johnny. You need to feed him. Um, you need to um, and get the ball wide, get the ball into areas, you know, get crosses into the box. His build-up play and his back-to-goal play is really good. He's powerful. He's quick. He's athletic. He needs to remain injury-free. He's, I think he's a confident boy. He needs to, obviously, um, get off the mark because if he does, he can go on a run. I remember a couple of seasons ago, Georgie Kelly didn't quite necessarily hit the ground running, uh, but we provided him with a service and and... Uh, you know, from wide and and with Ross Tierney, that combination, uh, that synergy between players uh, enabled Georgie to go on a great run and finish the season, you know, with 24 goals, I think it was. So there was plenty of time for Johnny to get goals. I think his performances over the first four games have been have been pretty decent. If you look at um, the best chance in the game, in the first half of the game versus Shells last Friday, Johnny Rolls, Luke Bourne, you can see in an instant his power. He fires in a great uh, cross for Dylan Colley, a left-footed uh, left foot cross for Dylan Connolly at the back post, and Dylan uh, probably should score, um, you know. But, uh, you know, he's a real threat. He's a focal point for the team. He will enable other players... To, to to play as well. So the players around them, you know, your 10, your 11, your seven, your wide players, your midfield players, the eight arriving, you know, Johnny will will uh, give you that platform to play. But it's important, like every other striker, it's they need goals and confidence is a big thing. And and you know, there's no better thing for a striker than other other than score goals. And maybe he needs he needs it to go in off his backside. Um, you know, I don't think he struggles for confidence, like I say. Um, he needs to remain injury free, and 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 obviously the you know Bowes need to create those chances, and you know down the flanks is an ideal chance uh, for to create crossing opportunities for Johnny to get on the end of things. But we 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 didn't see the best of Johnny last year. Brought him in to the club in the summer. He got injured in in the second game, second appearance for the club in a cup uh, game against Lucan. You know, he was a massive loss for us because we felt at the time that he would be a big signing for us and a big player for us. I firmly believe he has a big season ahead of him. I don't think his performances have been too shabby. I think the manager and the coaches will be reasonably happy with Johnny. But you have to keep your foot on Johnny. You have to make sure that you, um, 
be, uh, you drive and and he's incentivized by goals and to create and give him opportunities to get goals and and he can be a talisman for bowls there's no doubt about it you said one thing there is that you got to keep feeding them I hope they don't feed him too much because he's a big unit I wouldn't like to play against him I totally agree with you he's 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 a big lad and he does so much for the team Keith like reiterate what you said he does so much for the team and bringing fellas into the game and you know you got to keep telling them that and if he doesn't keep doing that you, you know that's so important for, for Bohemians at the moment and I agree I think goals will come along the way but he's a big boy in a big unit yeah and, and and you know we have to be again you can't uh, I know what there was lots of um, there was high hopes for Johnny when he moved to the UK he scored a lot of goals for the Irish 21s so that's what he needs to do for Bohemians and then whatever happens next will happen yeah, and I, I just wanted to ask about Keith Buckley as well. Obviously, he wasn't he'd gone away to Australia last year, and obviously he's back now. But how big an influence is he behind the scenes? Having worked with him for such a long time, Keith. Yeah, it's like I sat with um, with Trevor last night at the game. Trevor Crawley, my 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 ex coach, uh, number two at Bowes, and I met Keith last week for a cup of coffee. You know, he's he's just a he's just a gem, an absolute brilliant guy. And 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 again, we've had lots of them down the years at Bohemians, but he epitomizes everything that's good about Bose, you know, his aptitude, his work ethic, his honesty, you know, the demands that he places on others. We didn't replace him last year. You, it's, it's very, very hard to replace somebody, you, you know, of his caliber. And, you know, I'm not just talking about his ability on the football pitch, because I think he's an underrated footballer. Um you, you know he's been playing out of position a little bit. Went back into the middle middle of the park last week, um, but his influence around the dressing room cannot be underestimated. He's he's from the streets. He's he's an inner city boy. He's streetwise. He he nothing uh, got gets past him, and he's got a brilliant way with people. You, you know, and sometimes sometimes he's ruthless. He cut your throat. You know, and but he'll do it to your face. You know, he'll he'll tell people honestly what he thinks. Um, you know, I remember when he got the captain's armband and he was probably a little bit concerned about, you, you know, trying to do everybody's job and and not necessarily concentrating on his own. And and we, we sat him down, I spoke with him and I, I told him to focus first on what he does and what he does best. And then everything else, you know, will will translate from that, will we'll, we'll stem from that. And, you know, I think he's he has become... Uh, you know, a captain at the club that that everybody looks up to. He does drive standards on a daily basis, and and he's really, really critical. And I've no doubt that he's had a huge impact since his return to the club. Yeah, and uh, Bowes on Friday um, will be playing St Pat's at Richmond Park. UCD are going to be hosting Drada United. Derry City are up, going to be up against Dundalk, Shelburne, and Shamrock Rovers meeting at Tolka Park. All of those are seven forty-five PM kickoffs, and then on Saturday. Sligo Rovers are going to be playing Cork City at the showgrounds, seven forty-five PM kickoff there as well. Now in the first division, over the uh, or on Friday, Finn Harps got their first point of the season with a one-all draw against Bray Wanderers. Waterford, in what was is expected to be the two uh, teams expected to contend for automatic promotion, Galway United got the better of them by a single goal to nil. Wexford got their first win of the campaign as well, beating what had been an inform at loan three nil. Uh, Kerry. Uh, also got their first point uh, since uh, joining the league with a one-all draw against Treaty United and then Longford Town and Cove Ramblers on the Saturday. 
uh, drew nil all. Now, uh, Johnny, just on this very briefly, but, uh, you know, already it looks like Galway stealing a bit of a march in terms of the automatic promotion race. And Waterford, who were expected to be really maybe slight favourites ahead of them, wobbling ever so slightly. Yeah, and you know what? Waterford was so unlucky last year. UCD beat them in the playoff game. And, you know, they, they have the facility down there. They've got the fan base down there. They were so disappointed not to come up. Uh, definitely wobbling a little bit. But there's no doubt it'll, it'll, it'll I'd say, definitely between between the two of them. They've, they've enough resources. And uh, it's really, really important for, for them to get up into the Premier League at the expense of whoever they might be, you know, in, in, the, in the Premier League at the moment. But uh, the likes of, likes of the Wexford are uh, watching the uh, Liberal Wexford and, and how they're doing. James Kenny is, is taking over the role there, a new position for James. And uh, they'll pick up a few points along the way. But look, Waterford and Teague will come out of that slump and I think they'll be okay. They've enough, they've enough about them. Yeah, and in the women's Premier Division, it got underway now for 2023. Now it's an 11-team league, obviously, with Shamrock Rovers coming in. It was a four-way title race last season. Potentially, five teams could be involved in this as the season goes on. But Athlone, one of the teams that contended last season, runners up in the cup and yeah. and also runners up in the uh, in the uh, in the league, uh, lost their opening game three one to P Mount United. Sligo Rovers lost two one at home to the uh, the new arrivals Shamrock Rovers, and then Treaty United and on your Gorman scoring a last minute header there as well. So one of the big signings uh, during the off season, and then Treaty lost one nil at home to Bowes. Shelburne, the reigning double champions, uh, got off to the best to start six nil win over Cork City, and then Galway lost one uh, nil uh, at home to Wexford Utes, and with Kira Rossiter scoring the winner in that game. And Anthony, looking at this, obviously great start. For shell, um, for shells, for P Mound, for Wexford, Athlone obviously won the President's Cup the week before, and will be looking to bounce back as quickly as possible. But uh, I, I guess the Shamrock Rovers game um, at Sligo Rovers probably one that would have captured the most attention, and getting off the winning start probably fuels this idea that it could end up being a, a five-team title race. Yeah, <clears throat> I think ominously for the rest, like Anya O'Gorman got the winner, but they had Stephanie Roach, uh, Abby Lark, and Amanda Budden is, is in nets. Jess Hennessy was sent to half her at Lone Town last season. She was brilliant. She's signed with Rovers. Um, and they've got a really, really good coach, Polly O'Neill. So it kind of you think they're only going to get better, Raph, and you would expect Rovers. They have a lot of quality there, well set up. Um you know, it was so tight last season. It went to the last day. Again, that's the second year in a row, actually, that title race went right down to the very last day. Two years ago, it was uh, Wexford, Utes and Shells. It was three teams that could have won it last uh, last season. So, um, at all, we're beating in the first day of the season. But, you know, they're going in the right direction. They've actually just announced that they're going to um, improve the facility in Athlone Town Stadium to incorporate um, a specific area for the women's team. Um, so they're really putting a lot of resources and faith into the growth of the women's game there. And they've got a good link up with Athlone Town IT, Athlone IT as well, uh, which allows them to sort of helps them attract the players. They have lost some big players. Emily Corbett left them as well. She was a really important striker. There's been a right merry-go-round over the course of the winter uh, because Sham- because of the, the arrival of Shamrock Rovers. You know, they've, they've uh, attracted a lot of good players to the club and that's led to a lot of moving parts. But I think we could probably expect the usual suspects in, in the mix, you know, uh, P-Mount, Wexford Youth, Shelburne, 
Um, I think Athlone will be thereabouts again. And yes, Shamrock Rovers will be in, will be involved in that, uh, that this year, I would expect. Um, the other interesting thing over the last couple of days, Raph, was the announcement of an All-Ireland women's competition in June, which is it's sort of just to fill the gap that's going to be there because of the Women's World Cup. There'll be no football over the course of the Women's World Cup. So there's going to be an All-Ireland competition between um, the, the women's Premier Division teams down here and the Northern Ireland women's Premiership sides, a 16-team competition split into four, four groups of four teams. So that's really interesting. And I think, I think it makes loads of sense. You don't want to just let the domestic game sag for whatever, four or five weeks. Tr- try and build on the momentum and the, the huge interest garnered by Ireland making the World Cup in Australia. Um, and I think as well, just just from the point of view that there's been loads of discussion of a, of a potential all-line league in, in the men's game here in the last couple of years, it sort of died down. But I think if nothing else, just to see as a sort of some kind of blueprint logistically how that goes. Now, it's only, look, it's it's a month-long competition. It's not the same as having a, an all-line league going forward, but it's still interesting to keep an eye on it and see how it goes and to see can they continue to, to kind of piggyback on the massive momentum that Vera Powell's Ireland team has generated here um, over the course of the last year by making the breakthrough and making it to the World Cup. So just on the same topic, you're talking about the All-Ireland League for the women's. I was in the AUL recently and I seen Bohemians, senior ladies team playing against Slimfield. So they're obviously, you know, trying to, trying to get that momentum going. It was a good game, a good quality game. Uh, Bohemians are a very young, young, young group of players, but the quality of football was excellent. Uh, Limfield had a few uh, Northern Ireland internationals. So it makes sense to what Anthony is saying in relation to maybe the All-Ireland League that they're, you know, they're, they're just trying to get up and running at the moment. So I just yeah. want to throw that in, obviously, that's just because I, I was there and I was seeing the game. Good, yeah. good quality stuff, some good young players. Yeah, and that's they, they had their breakthrough as well, Northern Ireland Raf, sorry, just, just under Kenny yeah. Shields. Like they had their moment when they made the Euros. And and now obviously the Republic of Ireland have done the same. So this is a kind of opportunity to build momentum. And it's very you know, we, we spoke about the League of Ireland at the top of the, the podcast here, like trying to build momentum and, and strike when the iron's hot kind of thing. So uh, I think it's it's a good idea. And um, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think they they still have to give it a, the the new competition a name as well. I don't think they have a title sponsor added as well. But as you said, uh, eleven teams from the League of Ireland and then five from Northern Ireland, including uh, including Derry City as well. Um, we've got live Champions League tonight as well between Chelsea and Dortmund. So this is a second leg, last sixteen tie. Dortmund won the uh, the home leg, one uh, nil uh, a few a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I suppose uh, Keith uh, Graham Potter. Beyond the uh, beyond the pressure he's been feeling in the Premier League with the the runner results up until the Leeds game at the weekend when they won one nil, um, you know, pro- progression in the Champions League was probably is the other I suppose is the other side of the coin um, for him as well. And there is a huge amount of pressure coming into this. Obviously, they have to turn they have to turn the result around first against Dortmund. But this is a Dortmund team that have won I think ten in a row since the since the start of the year on a hundred percent record, challenging for the Bundesliga. It's not going to get easy for them. No, and the pressure is on, like you say. Um, they got their first win in 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 a long time against Leeds at the weekend, so that gives them a little bit of confidence. I'm not sure whether the performance necessarily was was outstanding, but the result was what everybody would have wanted. Um, Graham Potter is 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 a new manager at Chelsea. There's lots of change, lots of uh, recruitment of players, players uh, high quality players coming in, and you know for extortionate amount of money um so it's going to take him time uh to uh, you know 
fully understand the dynamics of the club, uh, the ownership, the players that he that have come in to fully implement his philosophy and his ideology and how he wants to try and play. And uh, you know, he has coached at every level of the game. Um, you know, in the in the UK to Scandinavia with Ostersunds at, at Sweden, uh, to Brighton, Swansea in the Championship, Brighton in the in the Premier League. So, you know, a number of weeks ago, they were talking about Graham Potter as being the next England manager and being, uh, you know, a, a, a potential, you know, great manager. He's still very much that. He needs time to implement his ideas. I think a lot of the narrative around, obviously, results haven't been good since he's gone into the club. But, you know, the insatiable nature of the English media in terms of looking for stories, looking for you know, um, the tradition that Chelsea has always been with the previous owner, uh, Abramovich, he'd get rid of managers, uh, uh, you know, at the drop of a hat if things weren't going necessarily well. I think one of the key criteria for Potter going into Chelsea would have been, you know, the reassurance from the owner, um, Tom Bowley, to, to give him time to implement his ideas and to get um, get his style of play across and, and results hopefully will you know, start improving for Graham Potter because I really like him. I think he's a, you know, a good young manager. He's done really well at other clubs and he deserves time to, like I said, to to turn things around a little bit. But he is under pressure. Uh, I thought they were very good in the in the game a couple of weeks ago. A little bit unlucky to to come into this tie tomorrow, uh, tonight, 1-0 down. But the pressure is on. Can they turn it around? They've definitely got the players that can do so. And obviously it will take a little bit of pressure off Potter in the short term if they were if they were to come through to, uh, tonight's round of 16. Yeah, and Johnny, uh, help me make sense of this Liverpool 7 <laughs> United nil result because, you know, the, the narrative building into the game at the weekend or on Sunday was that, you know, Man United are back um, and and obviously Liverpool had been kind of picking up results, but there was a sense that United are a little bit further along than them. And then that result happens. I mean, is it? A, do you look at it as a freak result or how do you like how do you respond to it from what you saw? Depends on your perspective, whether you're Man United or Liverpool and stuff. But look, you know, you talk about Manchester United coming back. In fairness, Ten Hag has, has come in. They've come back from somewhere where it was easy enough to come back from because they were at a really low level for a, for the club of Manchester United size, I'd have to say. And uh, he's definitely building momentum with the team. You know, are they at the levels of where, they, where they'll win the league? Maybe at the levels where they might get into the uh, you know the, the Champions League and finish in the top four, uh, Europa League, last sixteen, the win against Barcelona, you know all that's good momentum. But you know, on the day against Liverpool, I just think it was a one-off. I really do. I think, I think Liverpool had got a couple of results. I think that was their fifth clean sheet in a row for Liverpool. I think United were building momentum in what they were trying to do. You know, coming out and winning the League Cup. You know, and uh, the Carabao Cup, and I just think it was one of them off days. Everything that went wrong could have went wrong. If they'd have got a first goal, would Liverpool have been as dynamic? Would have been as open? Would he have tightened it up? Uh, I think Ten Hag is is doing things in the right way. He's setting the right standards. You know, the right levels. You're gonna have an off day. It was more than an off day. It was it was a horrible day for for the players and the team and the club and the supporters and all that. I think you know it'll bounce back from that. Sometimes you need a you know kick in the backside now and again to to reboot you. And uh, it just happened to be on the day against our the 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 biggest rivals for the probably. And uh, I think Ten Hag will definitely bring you know 
back to the levels that Manchester United you know, should be at. Uh, whether they'll go on and win Champions League again in the near future or even the Premier League, I'm not sure yet, depending on, on who he brings in and what he brings in. But uh, just one of them days, I think, that anything that could have went wrong on the day did go wrong. But in saying that, I think some of the attitude of some of the players at, at the scores, you know, four, five, six nil, Fernandez not chasing fellas back, throwing his hands in the air. I think even no matter what, you've still got to play to the final whistle, give everything that you, you can, you know, that, that you, you you play against whoever you're, you're marking and you just give your best on the day. And if the final result is 7-0, you can stand up and say, I'll give him the best I, I, I could give. And, you know, just that little bit of attitude, you know, giving up too easy. I think we Keane spoke about afterwards as well. So, you know, Keane just talked about leaders, you know, in bowls and uh, you, you know, we're talking about leaders and pats. You need leaders all over the pitch because sometimes it just takes one little thing. One, one like last night, young O'Neill chasing the ball down for Derry. You know, the the the, the used to the uh, player at five yards, and he gets in behind the player and he scores a goal there with nothing because he didn't give up on it. The attitude, the application, and stuff. And I think you've got to bring that right through. You know, but to answer your question, once off, yeah, I think United will be okay. Yeah, and Keith, uh, uh, I suppose briefly on this as well, in terms of Eric Ten Hag walking into the dressing room immediately after that, I mean, the players themselves will know, I mean, the scoreline tells them enough that, you know, they were they were just really, really badly beaten and the performance wasn't good enough. But as a manager, when you walk into a dressing room after a result that is similar to that, like, how do you, do you, do you go straight through them straight away or do you let things settle or what's the, I suppose, the psychological way to to deal with it? Well, I think the, the, he came out in his interview after match and, and quoted he, four times. I think he mentioned the, the word unprofessional. So uh, there's no doubt in, immediately he would have let the players know of his disappointment and um, and he would have told them, I'm sure, in quite industrial language, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, his feelings because it was an embarrassing day for a club of Man United stature against their biggest rivals. There's no doubt about it. So... But he and and in my view, he will not tolerate some of the stuff that he witnessed on 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 Sunday, and you won't see the true effects of that until maybe uh, the summer, the next window, when he'll he, you know one or two players may may see the door at uh, United as a result of of yesterday. So obviously they'll analyze the performance, and it's, it's, you don't have to scratch the surface too far. Like some of the defending was abysmal; it wasn't acceptable. It's unprofessional as. Um, as as he came out and said after the game, Eric Ten Hag, I think he's done a good job there. He's proven that he's prepared to 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 make difficult decisions and he's drove the standards, like Johnny said, from a low enough base. But they've had a good season. They've won silverware in the in the Carabao Cup. They're third in the table. I think I think it was interesting as well. Jurgen Klopp, he didn't over uh, indulge in and overdo the celebrations at the end of the game because. Remember, Liverpool are seven points behind Manchester United. So um, so that shows you the difficulty Liverpool have had this season. Um, also, I think you've seen the emergence of a potential new a new front line uh, at, at Liverpool with Gakpo, with Nunes, uh, Salah, Luis Diaz to come back in. So there's a regeneration going on there. They obviously have to recruit uh, well in the summer and, and look at other areas of the pitch, particularly midfield and maybe at central defence, fullbacks and so on. So, like, um, you know, it, it was interesting. 
I, I'm not quite sure whether it was a freak result. If you look at some of the goals, um, Liverpool were outstanding, um, but some of the defending was was abysmal from Manchester United, and it won't be accepted in the fullness of time. You'll see the you'll see the outcome or the the fallout from from yesterday's or Sunday's performance. Yeah, and a final point before we go, uh, Anthony, just on that as well, and I, I suppose more from the Liverpool point of view, but. You know, as uh, as Keith said there, uh, Klopp didn't really uh, play up too much to the whole seven nil side of it because look, a win a win is a win, but they're still where they are. The Champions League route, um, obviously, their three goals, uh, well, Real Madrid are three goals to good against them going into the second leg next week, so that's not really a target. However, just now the the top four has become a very realistic thing with Spurs losing at the weekend as well, Newcastle wobbling, so they do have something to fight for now for the for the running. Oh, a huge thing to fight for because of the way the club is run. Like, it's very important that they get into the top four. That It's a self-sustainable model. The owners just don't throw money. They basically give whatever Liverpool generate. And they generate a lot of money they have over the last few years because they consistently qualify for the Champions League and done really well in it. They've made two finals. They tend to go deep in it. And they look like they're out this year. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's massive for them. I think they do have a chance to make them top four because of the teams they're chasing. Jason Newcastle have kind of run out of gas the last few weeks, and Tottenham, who are just really up and down. Like Liverpool themselves go to Bournemouth this Saturday lunchtime. Would you be shocked if they lost? You know, from what we've seen this season, they've been just all over, you know, really up and down. Um, and let's not, as Keith says, like if Sunday was the second half was unbelievable, you know, it was brilliant as Liverpool were, United were just, they kind of looked like they couldn't accept what was happening to them. Now, when it went to 3-0, rather than consolidate, they just lost all discipline and, and it was crazy. Um, but Liverpool were, have been... I mean, Liverpool could have got bet 6-0 by Brighton and, and at Brentford. Uh, it's been a mad season. Um, so they still have plenty of work to do and they have a lot of tough games. They have to go to City, they have to play Arsenal. Um, they have a lot of tough fixtures coming up, but you know, one to savour for them on Sunday because it was, it was... You just couldn't believe what was happening. And even at half-time, nobody would have saw that second half coming because Manchester United had actually been pretty good in the first half. It was it was mad. But yeah, they, that top four is massive for them, Raph. Yeah, plenty of work to do. And uh, it's really important that they they try and squeeze in. Yeah, Graham Sue Graham saw coming anyway. <laughs> yeah. Raph, let, let me come in on this. Here's one thing that we haven't considered or don't think I've seen it too much. Doug Leash was 70, I think, over the weekend. Is that right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm not sure whether he's 70, 71, or whatever it might have been. But the king wore number seven on the back of his jersey. So therefore, you know, the players at Liverpool had to deliver a performance to match the standards of the king. <laughs> well, well, I tell you one thing: Spring Care was 70 the weekend. The same Pat Spurs definitely didn't do it by him. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. I think that that's uh, so the stars the stars yeah, you aligned. know my persuasion. Yeah, the, the stars aligned on one on in, in one of those fixtures has just been mentioned. Both teams in red. <laughs> but anyway, uh yes, that's uh, that's it for today. Anyway, um we've got as I said Chelsea versus Dortmund tonight on RT2 and the RT player from 7:30 p.m. Uh Johnny and Keith, thanks a million for uh taking the time and also Anthony Pine. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob.